0: What is happening everybody? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning and I am your host, joined, as always, by my co-host and friend, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, what's going on, man?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. Um, Not a ton is going on, really. It's, It's been kind of a slow week. Um, I saw somebody doing uh, upside-down pull-ups at the gym today, so that's pretty much how it's going for me because that was upsetting and really horrifying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That that seems like something that normal humans don't engage in. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody do that.
1: He had, like, full-body spandex on, so I think he (laughs) kind of knew what he was doing, but it was still um It made me feel pretty bad about um, running on an elliptical machine and not like doing gymnastics at eight in the morning. So that was that was a good way to start the day.
0: You pre- you have to have a special level of stunting ability to be able to pull that off. And and on that note, speaking of stunting, uh, we're gonna talk about the spring game here in a little bit. But I think the biggest story from Ohio State spring game that we uh, we just saw this past week was former Buckeye Curtis Samuel showing up to the spring game in a diamond chain of himself scoring the game winning touchdown against Michigan if you guys haven't seen it go onto the website it's uh, it's one of the things on the front page but Curtis Samuel has a diamond chain of himself scoring in the game that is pretty swag
1: yeah every Migos song is actually about um curtis samuel and his diamond <laughs> chain um i i think that that's probably one of the quickest retweets i've ever done on twitter as soon as i saw that picture i i, I think it was actually our podcast account that tweeted it, it that was i saw it from but as soon as i saw it i was like i broke my thumb to go and retweet it because uh curtis samuel i, I don't think we ever really saw that side of him when he was at ohio state uh you know being extremely cool super quiet yeah he was he was generally kind of shy didn't didn't really talk much but um i wish that he would have worn that chain like during games after the michigan game i think he was <laughs> only here for one more after the michigan game but um yeah that's it's fantastic it's a um i'd like to know where to buy it and also where to get the amount of money to buy it and i can't join the nfl so it's going to be kind of difficult
0: what would you get a diamond chain of yourself doing podcasting <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what i was gonna say like i would just get like me with a microphone and that would be like compared to scoring the touchdown in the game that's the lamest shit ever but you're right we did break that on at holy land pod make sure to follow us on twitter and send us a tweet of, of what you would get a diamond chain of yourself doing but uh nonetheless i think pretty swag from Curtis Samuel to have a diamond chain of himself scoring the game-winning touchdown against Michigan. But getting to the spring game, because I think that there's there's a lot of things to unpack with what we saw at Ohio Stadium this past weekend. First of all, it was great that the game even got off. You saw so many other teams around the Big Ten were unable to play because of weather. And mother nature complied with urban meyer and moving that game up so it was nice to see uh them get get that in an ohio stadium and for the younger guys to get sort of that experience but before we kick it off here something that i think is important to remember about spring games is this is essentially just a glorified practice and if you guys haven't seen the article from tomahawk nation sb nations uh florida state site Bud Elliott wrote a really good piece about spring games and trying to decipher between guys that put up big stats and you never hear from them again, which is something we talked about on last episode. And probably the most important thing you can take away from a spring game or spring practice and something we're going to talk about a lot today. And that's traits from players that are going to translate on Saturday. So what does a particular player do or what is their skill set? What do they do well that you can look at it from a spring game and say, oh, you know what? That translates. I can see him doing that on Saturdays. And I think that Ohio State has a lot of guys and a lot of guys that made plays on Saturday that have those certain traits and positions.
1: Yeah, and um, Bud's piece is definitely worth reading. Um, and I-, I think it's, you know, the the main takeaway from from spring games in general is that um their scrimmages it's one of 15 spring practices the main point of spring games and I was at Ohio State's spring game and this was kind of I think the most important thing was I saw that I saw was um there's a bunch of little kids at the stadium that don't usually get to go to the stadium that's kind of the whole point um (laughs) is that You know, more people get to go see Ohio State play in Ohio Stadium, even if it's not a real game. But um, I I think that those traits are definitely something that can stand out in spring games, even if the numbers and the stats don't matter, because the numbers and the stats don't matter. But uh, we saw somebody like Jalen Harris have a pretty nice game. He had a touchdown on a really nice pass. And I I think that his his kind of uh, ability to high point the ball is something that will happen in actual games as well. That's not just a spring game thing. Um, Demario McCall, who we'll talk about for three hours, uh, <laughs> looked like a, a true slot receiver or an H-back, which is what Ohio State wants him to be. Um, in general, there's really not a ton that you can take from spring games, but we're going to uh, talk about it a bunch and pretend that there is, I guess, because um, it's fun. It's fun to do. But it, it, was a, um, it was a fun event. It's always a fun event. Um, some, some young players looked really good. I think a lot of uh, young defensive players looked really good. A couple cornerbacks that stood out to me were Sean Wade and Marcus Williamson both looked good for a lot of the day. Um, And in general, I think it was a really good day for Ohio State, even if it sparked some um, just insane, uh, you know, just posting, constant posting all the time. (laughs) Everyone has to post, and the spring game sparks more posts than I think pretty much any other game. Um, And we'll we'll certainly get into the, um, I I think, thousands of quarterback posts just everywhere. Um, But it it is what it is. It's a fun event. And, um, you know, I I think that there's... (laughs) There's some to take from it, but it, everything should be taken with a grain of salt, and that's kind of what we're going to do here.
0: Absolutely, and we, we might as well jump right into that quarterback situation, and before we talk about Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow, I think the the one thing that's pretty clear, and I don't think you needed a spring game to do this, is, is Tate Martell is clearly the, the third quarterback, I think, in terms of the packing order right now. It was fun watching him get out there and play. He ran around a little bit, had an interception, but it's pretty clear, I think, at least from my point of view, that that Tate Martell is a guy that's going to be a little bit of a project. You can see that he's still learning a lot, but he is very intriguing, and he certainly has a playmaking skill set, but but I thought it was pretty clear-cut that Martell is that third guy.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I think that that was kind of known by um, most people, I would hope. Um, I know that there were some people... Who were like Tate Martell going to win the starting job and he's not. I mean, he's just not. He's a redshirt freshman quarterback that was never that great of a thrower to begin with. Um, did you happen to see the the thing where someone was saying that he was going to win the starting job because he was a winner in high school? Did you did you catch that? <laughs> no, I didn't. And, and I I kind of I talked about this a little bit on my Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Um, every player on this team was a winner in high school. Like every single one of them. <laughs> Especially the quarterbacks. Yeah, I can't imagine that Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow or you know, any really any player on this team struggled at winning games in high school. <laughs> it's like the, I um you know, there was um in my uh hometown, New Albany, Ohio, Darren Lee played at New Albany. And New Albany's not consistently very good at football. Uh, they went to the state Final four because of one player when Darren Lee was there I mean Ohio state level players aren't very common in high school and generally when they go to a school that school gets really good for a couple years and, I mean Tate Martel I, I guess they're kind it's kind of different because he played at Bishop Gorman and they play really good uh, other you know they play really good competition. But it that means nothing. <laughs> it's like the kind of thing that Urban Meyer would say in a press conference. You know, that that guys are really – he's a real winner. It's like, yeah, all of them are. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tate, he looked okay. He looked really good running. Um, he seems to know how to run the read option really well, which is what he was advertised as. But um, I, I certainly wouldn't say I'm confident in his ability uh, as a passer right now, he's, he's definitely a little bit more of a project throwing the ball. Um, and uh, I, I hope that this kind of ends the, the discussion of, well, Ohio state should start, should start Tate Martell. Cause no, they shouldn't. I mean, give him time. <laughs> He'll be fine.
0: Yeah, completely agreed. And as it comes to the battle of who's going to be the starter looking at the stats we we I think we both agree that you know the spring game stats or whatever but just to list them Joe Burrow was 15 of 22 for 238 yards two touchdowns the last of those being on the the last play the 50-yard throw to Demario McCall and then Dwayne Haskins 9 of 19 for 120 yards with two touchdowns no interceptions um it, I think to me the biggest thing that stood out between those two as it relates to the quarterback battle is not that the offense is completely different when each one of them is in the game, but you can definitely tell that things are tailor made for each one when they're in the game. There's, I think, a lot more short throws when Joe Burrow's in the game. He's more of, I guess, a distributor, you know, your classic point guard type of quarterback. Not to say that he can't throw the ball deep, which we saw to McCall to end the game but there's a lot more intermediate stuff with Dwayne Haskins and and a lot more, I think, posts, a lot more deep outs. So you can see the difference between, I think, how the offense is run when both of those guys are in the game.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I think one of the things that really stood out about the play calling in the spring game and just the way it was played was that um, after the first drive or so, it was pretty obvious that uh, Dwayne Haskins was kind of encouraged to throw the ball deep as much as possible because pretty much every one of his throws was deep um and that's i think a pretty big reason that his stats weren't as lofty as joe burrow's and you know like we said the stats don't matter and it's the play calling is a big reason why is because in an actual game um i don't think joe burrow would throw that many underneath routes to demario mccall or to any slot receiver and i don't think dwayne haskins would throw the ball deep on like 15 of his 19 attempts yeah um But they they certainly are very different styles of player. Um, Joe Burrow is, I think, a lot closer to JT Barrett than people kind of want to acknowledge. Um, He's not a great deep ball thrower. He has the potential to make deep throws, but he's kind of got Big 12 quarterback syndrome, whereas his deep throws float a little bit. And that's not, I mean, that's not the end of the world or anything. It's just um, that's something that I don't think Dwayne Haskins really struggles with. And um, I think Dwayne Haskins kind of has some some short uh, you know some short yardage underneath route issues where he doesn't want to throw them because they're not the big play. Um, we saw that a little bit last season against Michigan when he stepped in he, he threw a couple deep balls, but he completed them so I'm not really super concerned about it. Um, but either way, it's, it's definitely is a very different offense depending on who the quarterback is. Um, I, I think we both, uh, stand in a pretty similar place with who we think the quarterback should be. Um,
0: let's talk, let's talk about that, man. Let, let's make, make your stand, make your case for, you know, just going to go out and say it for Dwayne Haskins.
1: Yeah, it's, it's Dwayne Haskins. Um, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people really got excited about Joe Burrow after the spring game. Um, and he looked good. He looked really good. Uh, He he threw the ball well. He was completing passes. He was making smart throws to open receivers. And in general, he looked like a very capable, solid um, Ohio State caliber quarterback. But Dwayne Haskins, um, I mean, (laughs) there's like I think you said it on Twitter that he makes throws that maybe two or three college quarterbacks can make. Um, and he did it. I mean, he did it in spring games. He did it in the Michigan game last year, specifically the post route to Austin Mac. Uh, he did it in garbage time last year against teams like Illinois. Um, he just he he's got an extremely strong arm. He's great. He's got great arm talent. Um, and I think that kind of the the best way for for me to kind of rationalize wanting. Um, Haskins over Burrow and wanting kind of a a more uh, big play threat quarterback over a maybe a less risky quarterback is that um, I think we know what Burrow's ceiling and floor is, and I think they're pretty close to each other, whereas I think Haskins could be a disaster. I, I think that there is a chance that he could be a disaster, but I also think that he could be the best quarterback Ohio State has had in several decades, like throwing the ball. Uh, Ohio State hasn't had an NFL-style quarterback that would go in the first round in, I mean, years. And save for, like, Cardale Jones, who went in the fourth round, um, Dwayne Haskins is just – he's head and shoulders above pretty much any quarterback as a thrower that Ohio State has had um, really ever. (laughs) Um, And I just – I think that ultimately it's the, the potential of what that could look like with the, the playmakers around him. I mean, this is no matter what people want to say, uh, this, is te- this is a team that is not lacking in receiver talent or lacking in running back talent. I mean, we, they have, we saw that they have four very good running backs and a fifth coming in in June in Brian's need. So I, I don't think that they really need a, a quarterback who can run the ball. That well and that's not to say that Haskins doesn't have legs because he can move but I just I think that having a quarterback that can make any throw on the field would be really beneficial for these receivers because there are receivers who have been just I mean just horribly misused in this offense guys like KJ Hill um, Paris Campbell not as much he's he's more of an underneath route runner but like Benjamin Victor it's just like he's obviously a deep ball threat and Dwayne Haskins is obviously the best quarterback for him. And same with like Jalen Harris. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of where I come at it from is that we've seen what a a um, an underneath distributor that can run the ball looks like in this offense. Um, and I'd like to see what a, a more NFL style quarterback can do.
0: I completely agree. And the, the only thing that I disagree with you on is the possibility of Haskins being a disaster. Because I And I see where you're coming from, that, you know, that arm talent is – so prodigious and we saw it in the UNLV game in the Illinois game with the turnovers that I think there's definitely going to be some moments this year where you just think like wow what what was that but the good moments I think are going to so outweigh those bad moments and if he makes a couple of mistakes in his first year starting if he does end up getting the job I think that that's okay because to your point I can't remember a quarterback like him that has those type of tools and can open up the offense like he does, I guess, like you said, other than Cardale Jones. But I think even now, Haskins is just much more polished with his game. And I think we need to make one thing clear, you know, when we're standing on the fence for Dwayne Haskins, this isn't to say that Joe Burrow isn't a good option. He is a good option. I think that he could start for a lot of Division One teams, and if he ends up starting for Ohio State, I, I don't think that that would be awful. But in my opinion, it's clear just based off of you know my layman eye and what I've seen that Dwayne Haskins is a better quarterback than Joe Burrow, and he can his skill set opens up so many different things for this offense and makes them. A complete offense they have been missing that big play and consistently getting the ball downfield to those receivers like you said and in at least two different instances the other day we saw that with the victor pass and the pass to Jalen Harris where those are throws that there isn't a defensive back in the country that can do anything about them that's just that's just great quarterback play and that's not something that I think you can learn, you either have that or you don't. And Dwayne Haskins is a part of maybe two other dudes in Division I football that right now he can make that throw, and he hasn't even started (laughs) a game yet in his career. And I think the the big blowback to Haskins being a starter is that ability to run and and people saying, well, you know, this offense and Urban Meyer likes a running quarterback and he needs somebody that can – you know be able to read the defense and that that's fair and i think that that's true but at the same time we saw this offense operate at its most explosive and at its best in that 2014 national championship run those last couple games cardell jones ran the ball a few times but they know that they're going to they running the ball isn't going to be a problem with this team just <laughs> giving the ball off to their running backs that's not going to be an issue the offensive line is going to be able to blow people off the ball and they're going to be able to get what they want so the only other thing missing from that which has been missing now for three years is being able to make the big play and now that you have receivers with skill sets like Benjamin Victor like Austin Mack like KJ Hill like Jalen Harris if he's able to crack that rotation you have a quarterback that can get them the ball and when you're able to pair that efficient running game which has explosiveness with Dobbins, Weber and master Teague who looked pretty good. And you pair that with a really explosive passing game. That is the ideal for this offense. And like you said, we've seen, you know, the dink and dunk stuff work and that'll probably work just fine if they go that route again. But If they want to be their best, Dwayne Haskins is the option. I don't think it's close. I think it's clear cut. And I think ultimately he'll end up being the starter. And if we're wrong, like we're going to have egg on our face on this one. But uh, I I don't see it being a question. Dwayne Haskins is going to end up being one of the best quarterbacks in the country. and I'll I'll go on the stand for Haskins for this job because I, I think that with him at the helm, they instantly become one of the best offenses in college football, and one of the most dynamic.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the you know the the thing that I brought up of uh, he might have some turnover issues because of how willing he is to make tough throws. Um, the, another thing to consider with that, as I uh, you know worst case scenario, and I'm not saying that I expect this, but let's say he does struggle with turnovers. Um, you know maybe maybe two to one touchdown to interception ratio, something like that. Um, Ohio State has the best defensive line in the country and probably one of the best defenses, if not the most talented defense in the country. I think they'll be fine. I mean, <laughs> I think you can afford an interception uh, every so often if it you know if it comes to it because the defense is really, really, really good. Um, and uh, before we move on to talk about that defense a little bit, we got a question here about um, if Haskins ends up starting. Um, and what this season could look like depth-wise uh, from a friend Josh at Ohio underscore statement um, if Haskins starts burrow transfers and um, Let's say Haskin gets injured. Uh, are you comfortable with Martell? Just curious um, And I, I answered this a little bit on Twitter uh, I'm curious to see what you'll say about this because we talked about Tate Martell a little bit earlier and I um, I think we kind of mentioned it there just uh, as, a, as a kind of offhanded mention that Ohio State will be fine with a dink and dunk passing offense. You know, I mean, I, I think that they're capable of that. And I think Tate Martell would be capable of that coming in if, uh, you know, if Haskins goes down with an injury. Tate is obviously a capable runner uh, doing things that J.T. Barrett did. I think he's faster than J.T. Barrett. And, um, not as tough of a runner but more elusive even he's he's really quick he looked really good running the read option and while he is not there passing yet I think that Urban Meyer could figure out how to use a running quarterback um (laughs) I I'm not I'm not too concerned about about Tate Martell I, I think that Urban Meyer knows what he's doing um and if it comes to that they'll be able to figure it out because uh you know obviously that's not the preferred option and we would uh, really like to see a healthy Dwayne Haskins and it would be really bad news if he got injured but I think Tate Martell would be fine I'm pretty confident in the talent around him and in the offensive coaching staff that they would be able to figure it out
0: yeah I don't know how comfortable I'd be like in the meat of big 10 yeah like against Penn State that's no good like (laughs) against Penn State on the road yeah that that's a recipe for disaster but I think no matter what it would be a hell of a lot of fun Seeing him out there and making plays, but uh, yeah, there, there's definitely I think worse things than uh, than that scenario. And you, you know, the other thing, just just to wrap up the quarterback talk and in us kind of you know going on the stand for Dwayne Haskins, the biggest thing that that stands out to me and why I said that there really hasn't been a competition all along. I think that Dwayne Haskins has has been the guy, and I said this on Twitter. I think Urban Meyer's just been lying this whole time. Is that have we heard anything about Dwayne Haskins transferring if he doesn't get the job like there hasn't been one thing this has all been Joe Burrow stuff and I-, I think that's pretty clear of who the number two guy is because if it wasn't I think we would hear a lot more of like what's gonna happen if Dwayne Haskins doesn't get the job there hasn't been any of that talk because I think everybody kind of realizes who the number one guy is
1: yeah and I think Dwayne knows it I mean <laughs> he he hasn't been asked about it he hasn't come out and said anything about it I mean when Joe Burrow generally has said things about transferring it hasn't been provoked it's just been him saying it and I mean it obviously would make sense for Joe Burrow to leave if he doesn't win the job because um, he wouldn't ever win it if Dwayne Haskins wins it this year Um, and I think Joe Burrow is talented enough and deserves a shot to play uh, at a power five school somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, if it's Nebraska, if it's any number of schools, uh, I know Nebraska is kind of the, one of the main ones that comes up, but any number of schools, I think that, you know, he'll be a very solid quarterback, but, um, you know, I think Dwayne Haskins kind of knows that he's the guy. I mean, there's, there's a reason that when they were both healthy against Michigan, Dwayne Haskins went in. We, we've talked about this before. um, the you know there's the argument that Joe Burrow won the job last fall uh, before hurting his hand, but I mean Dwayne Haskins was a redshirt freshman then. Quarterbacks improve. I think that it's it's pretty well known that Haskins has the higher ceiling of the two, and I just I don't really see um, you know barring an injury to Haskins between now and the time that they name the starting quarterback, uh, which I think is going to be very soon. I don't I don't see that changing. I don't really see a way for, for Joe Burrow to change where the talent level is because it's obvious that Dwayne Haskins is a more talented quarterback. And that's why he hasn't really been talked about as a possible transfer is because there's no real reason for the starting quarterback to transfer.
0: Yeah, and I think it goes to show when you're seeing articles that say Urban Meyer says that he owes Joe Burrow an answer. Like, it's not saying he owes... Dwayne Haskins, an answer. And, and, you know, to say again, this isn't us piling on Joe Burrow. Yeah, we like you know, Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's a very good yeah. quarterback. And if he does end up starting, we're going to look like assholes. We're going to look And stupid. then we're going to root for but him. But we're going to yeah. be – yeah, we're going <laughs> to root for him. So I, I think either way, we win because Ohio State is going to have a very good quarterback. So interesting to – or interested to see how that all shapes out. Like you said, it's probably going to happen soon. Before we talk about the defense, we've mentioned the skill players a little bit. Let's talk about the running backs because JK Dobbins only had one carry for negative one yards. So that doesn't matter. We know what he's going to be this season. He's probably going to be even better if that's even possible. Mike Weber only got one carry, made the most of it, took it 63 yards to the house, um, I guess just short of a touchdown but you know either way, showed off some of the explosiveness that we saw as the season went on last year i hope that he is completely healthy coming into the season there is no reason for them to kind of overuse him in spring practice or in fall ball i really want to see him head into the year with a clean bill of health because you know if they can have those first two guys healthy it's it's going to be something that they haven't had in a couple seasons and then master teague early enrollee he ran the ball 14 times for 73 yards for a touchdown he also caught a pass for for four yards and we talk about traits you know instead of stats he was a guy that he already looks like a division one running back and when he gets the ball he has a burst he has an explosiveness about him I mean he looks like he is ready for the division one level
1: yeah I'm not sure how much it showed up on tv um just how big uh, Master Teague is, but it, it certainly showed up at the game just on the sidelines or during uh, pregame warm-ups He is uh, I mean they they list him. I think as 6 215 something around that uh, Maybe six anywhere from six foot to six two uh, He is 100% I mean He's large. He is as large. He's a beast. Yeah, he is as large as advertised. Um, looked really explosive running. I think he would have picked up quite a bit more yards if he would have been allowed to uh, hit and be tackled, because that's I think where he's going to thrive the most is uh, with contact. He's a he's a very physical runner, and it's you know like like you mentioned, it's traits, it's things like that. The stats don't really matter. It's uh, I mean they were playing two hand touch for most of the game, but he. Um, I think he was pretty highly underrated coming out of high school. I, I think that he was a top 100 recruit that was ranked in the top 500. Not really, um, not really getting the respect that he deserved coming out of Tennessee. And while we're not going to see him play this year, barring injuries, um, I, I think he will redshirt, and that's pretty an that's a pretty easy decision because of the amount of talent that they have at running back. Uh, when it is his turn probably either next year or two years from now after J.K. Dobbins leaves. um, He's going to be really good. He looked a lot like Beanie Wells. I saw that comparison quite a bit on Twitter. He's not there yet, obviously, because Beanie Wells was a – a Heisman contender his junior, his junior year, but size-wide, um, skill set-wise, uh, you know, the just the way that he runs, uh, I think that that's kind of a, a pretty apt comparison, and that's going to be a really fun uh, development to watch because um, Ohio State has quite a few really good running backs right now, and that's, I think, in large part due to uh, Tony Alford, the running backs coach, and he's extremely good at coaching up running backs, so it's it's pretty easy to imagine master Teague becoming um as good if not better than someone like beanie wells or um even pretty close to ezekiel elliott and that's i mean <laughs> it's pretty unfair that ohio state's going to go from jk dobbins to master teague or brian Snead or you know any number of these guys and it's probably the least um the least questioned position on the team outside of maybe Definitely. defensive end or just the defensive line in general. And they're going to be really fun to watch this year. Um, specifically the the top two guys of Dobbins and Weber, who uh, I mean, we can only imagine got significantly better uh, from last year and they were already really good last year.
0: and Larry Johnson gets a lot of rightful praise with what he does with those defensive linemen, but we don't talk a lot about Tony Alford and he's been able to just come in and I think a lot of people thought when Stan Drayton left, it, it was going to be really hard to replace what he did because he's a great running backs coach as well now at the University of Texas. And Tony Alford came in, and he's just done a bang-up job. So shout-out to, to Tony Alford because he's doing a really good job with the running backs and somebody that he coaches a little bit, maybe not so much this year. We, we already talked about the receivers for the most part, but Demario McCall, our favorite player.
1: He, he's so good. I don't know I don't know how they could possibly keep him off the field because he's so good. He has to be on the field. <laughs> 11
0: catches, 165 yards, two touchdowns and the stats or whatever, but back to traits and skill set. He just does things that nobody else on this roster does. He you know, size-wise, he he's not your ideal. I think especially when you talk about the next level, but just as a guy that can make explosive plays whether it's down the field, whether you hand him the ball, or just play him short even Paris Campbell I I think is just more of kind of your straight line speed guy where if he gets the ball and there's green in front of him he's going to be able to outrun you know most defensive backs all linebackers whatever Demario McCall can do that but he can also make you miss and we saw him take a little bit of contact last year especially in that Rutgers game and I know he was he was hurt a little bit but to me, there is no excuse. There's no justification for this coaching staff to not get him onto the field because he is just so much more explosive than what they've had from that H back position, you know, in, in recent memory.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I get the the argument of you know, there's so much depth at his position, and there is, but it really he's just better. Yeah, it shouldn't be that hard. It's like put KJ Hill on the outside, put Paris Campbell in the slot, and rotate him with Demario McCall. That's it. It's easy. <laughs> I mean, it's like I don't know how you don't get him on the field because he's just electric with the football. Uh he would have had more yards and more touchdowns had it been uh, a tackle game rather than two-hand touch. Um he pretty obviously has figured out the receiver position pretty well. Uh I know that they've been spending quite a bit of time with him on that. Uh, working him in with the receivers, working him in with the running backs, kind of getting him both sides of that. Um, his hands seem to be significantly improved from what they were in the past because they mainly used him as a running back in the past. And it's really, I mean, he seems like a finished product at this point. It, it seems like the, the DeMario McCall project has kind of come to a conclusion and it's time to, to let him free. Um, and it's, you know, obviously it's just a spring game and this might be, you know, you could argue that this is like the Bam Childress Award or whatever. But he, that kind of talent doesn't just go away um, and it doesn't just show up in spring games. Um, it, it wasn't like he was out there just being physically larger than everybody else and going up and high pointing the ball and mossing guys. He was just outrunning five star athletes uh, pretty much every single play. And I don't, I don't know how you can keep him off the field and I don't imagine that they, they'll find a way to keep him off the field because he's just, I mean, he's just a playmaker and he's the kind of guy that Ohio State really needs in this offense, especially if they have a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins who um, kind of needs a consistent checkdown that can make plays, uh, specifically if the other team has really good defensive backs that can cover the deep ball. And Demario McCall is just perfect for that.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that, There's so many different skill sets now in this offense, which is something we haven't seen, especially from that wide receiver position as of late. It it feels like a lot of those guys have been the same, but you have downfield options uh, like Jalen Harris, like Benjamin Victor. You have efficiency options like a a KJ Hill and a guy like Paris Campbell, who you can get him the ball in short space and he can outrun everybody and, and be efficient. And then Demario McCall, who can kind of just be that versatile weapon where you can line him up in the backfield you can you know have him match up with a safety who who doesn't quite match up with him and and beat him down the field or just beat him off the line kind of what we saw from Curtis Samuel but even comparing those guys I think that McCall's already a better route runner than Curtis Samuel so he brings that dynamic as well and when you pair that with the run game and a quarterback who can do so much that's when you're at your your best as an offense, and I think that he can be and should be a very important piece to what they do offensively. But switching to the defense, like you said, there, there's not a ton to take away from a, a two hand touch game from, from most of the game. I think that the things that stood out to me, which were already apparent one, Chase Young is absolutely terrifying. He's going to be a monster. And, and the fact that Ohio State has him has Jonathan Cooper and Nick Bosa. Like, they lost Taquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard to the draft, and they're replacing them with Nick Bosa, Jonathan Cooper, and Chase Young, which is going to be even better. So the, the defensive line as a whole and, and the defensive tackles who rotated a lot The defensive line, I I don't think, is going to drop off at all. In in fact, they may even be better, I think.
1: They they are really, really good. Yeah, I mean, Chase Young is uh, a future top five pick, I think it's pretty fair to say. He looked as dominant as we thought he would. Um, And this was in very limited playing time, and he wasn't allowed to tackle. He's pretty obviously one of the best athletes, not just on the defensive line, but on the team. He runs like a wide receiver, but he's six foot five and two hundred and sixty pounds. Um, I, I really, I don't see any way for any teams that Ohio State play to stop both Nick, Nick Bosa and Chase Young, and then uh, two really good interior defensive tackles, whoever they may be. Um, the The defensive line. Was as dominant as we thought they would be. Uh, there's really no questions there. I think that they're going to be fantastic, really, no matter who is, uh, you know, who's rotating in. And, uh, you know, it, it was even even when they got more into the the depth on the defensive line, guys like Jaron Cage and Tommy Togiai came in. Uh, we saw Jay Sean Cornell a little bit. It was, there's not really a huge drop off. It's, there's just, there's a ton of depth. There's a ton of talent. The the defensive line looked very good, and that's you know that's to say, the defensive line looked very good. But the offensive line was giving quarterbacks time. I mean, the the offensive line looked solid as well against uh, the best defensive line that they'll play this year. I, I think that's pretty fair to say is that the starting offensive line's biggest challenge will be this defensive line in practice.
0: Unless we play Clemson again, no, then thank there may you. be an
1: issue because <laughs> they they're right up there too. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, they're just they're so much fun to watch. And this defensive line is going to cause uh, so many issues for really good teams this year. We saw them do it against USC last year. We saw him do it against Penn State at the end of the game. Uh, and I think it's going to be more of the same.
0: Earlier on, you referenced uh, Marcus Williamson and Sean Wade there in the back. What stood out to you about those two guys? Well,
1: uh, one of the things I noticed specifically about Uh, Williamson was that he was he was kind of John with uh, with Jalen Harris for a lot of the game I don't know if they showed any of that on television but uh, it was I think after the the touchdown catch earlier on in the game uh, Williamson bounced back really really well he was playing physical he was uh, he was playing really tight coverage and I thought that he he responded well and he looked really good uh, Sean Wade was the, the only defensive back, the only player with an interception in the game. It was a really nice pick. Uh, we didn't get to see him play last year because of an injury, and he, he ended up redshirting. But he he looked as good as advertised. He looked like a five-star defensive back should look. Uh, great athlete, really good use of his hands in press coverage. Uh, and we, we didn't see a ton of the starting cornerbacks, guys like, uh, you know, I think Jeffrey Okuda was injured, but uh, we didn't see a ton of Damon Arnett or Kendall Sheffield. And it was was really encouraging to see those young defensive backs continue to, or specifically cornerbacks, because there are some questions at safety. But specifically, the cornerbacks looked really, really good, pretty much no matter who was out there.
0: What I love about Sean Wade, too, is it's easy to look back at the recruiting and say this is a five-star athlete or yeah five-star corner he's a great athlete Sean Wade is just polished like you said the hands the technique he is just a really fundamentally sound guy and and for a player who was injured all of last year and really seeing his first Ohio Stadium action the other day he looked like he fit in right away so I, I don't know if he'll you know, just immediately come in and by fall ball, be able to, to snag up a starting spot. It may take a little bit of time, but he didn't look like a fish out of water by any means. He looks like a college football division one, high level defensive back. And he kind of does the little things that, that those guys do in that Ohio state defensive backs have done to be successful. So I really like seeing that out of him.
1: Yeah. There's, there's really two Kinds of uh, five-star players, specifically five-star defensive backs. Uh, there's one kind that's kind of more of an athletic project—guys who have an extremely high ceiling but aren't really uh, good at. Denzel Ward. Yeah, guys.
0: who... Even though he wasn't like a high prospect.
1: Yeah, guys who have the speed, they have the athleticism, they're they're fluid. Um, you know, with 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 like turning their hips and finding the ball, but they're not very good at football yet. They don't really know what they're doing. Um, they they're just better athletes than everybody else and then there's guys who are just uh you know they're ready they're ready to play NFL football uh they're you know technically as sound as they can you know as sound as they could really be uh well coached smart players who obviously great athletes as well but maybe not as high of an athletic ceiling um that's more of a Marshawn Lattimore uh we saw that on the defensive line with the Bosa brothers both of them came in not as uh, you know, elite athletes, obviously very good athletes, but more technically sound, um, don't need a ton of guidance to be really solid players. And Sean Wade is, he's the latter. He is an extremely skilled cornerback already. Uh, I think more so than really any corner on this roster, save for maybe Jeffrey Okuda, who's the same way. Um, and that's not to say that he's not a great athlete, which he is but there's really not a ton of work that needs to be done with him i think it's just a matter of you know when he'll be able to find his way onto the field and i assume it'll be this year i, I don't really see how you can keep him off the field uh, specifically in you know nickel sets when they need multiple corners on the field i think he'll be ready to go and that's not to say that he he won't have some struggles early on cuz i think he will like all young corners do but he looks he looks ready to go, uh, and it was really encouraging to see that.
0: One position group that's super hard to evaluate, I think, in a spring game setting are the linebackers because you're not seeing you know guys come up and fill run lanes, you know, pop guys, pop pads with the offensive linemen at you know 100 that you would see in a game situation or even I think in a more intense practice situation. So guys like Baron Browning, Justin Hilliard and some of the other pete werner it's hard to really get a gauge on where ohio state's linebackers are right now because i I don't really think we saw them put into situations where you can actually see what type of traits they have how it translates so i still think if you're looking at a position group that's still a little bit of a question mark or an unknown i think it has to be linebackers because i don't don't think we learned much of anything out of those guys on saturday
1: yeah I, i think that you know some of the linebackers had pretty solid games. It, it's hard to tell when they're not tackling uh, and there's not a ton of running happening. Um, the, really, the only thing about the linebackers that stood out to me was that Baron Browning looks good to go. Um, he looked really good playing middle linebacker. He looked quick. Uh, he looks like he's as good of an athlete as advertised. Um, I, I expect that he'll rotate quite a bit with Justin Hilliard this year as kind of a, a, yin, a yin and yang kind of situation as they're pretty much the opposite kind of uh, middle linebackers, and that, that'll work well. Um, the One of the other things, and like you said, there's not a ton to take from linebackers in spring games. One of the other things that stood out to me was that um, I know some people had been predicting that uh, Pete Warner might take a starting job this year. Uh, I wouldn't expect that just uh, as, a, as a general um you know, a reference point. I don't think that this is going to be a year that Pete Warner sees a ton of playing time. I think that he'll still be kind of a special teams guy because uh, he. I think he's a really good athlete. He's obviously a willing hitter. Um, he doesn't seem to be quite there yet in terms of uh, knowing what he's doing on the field. And he he was more of one of those athletic project guys. And I certainly think he'll get there. But that was one of the things that stood out was that Pete Werner was pretty consistently in the wrong place on passing downs. Um, so I, I think he might be another year away. But outside of that, the, the linebackers looked solid. Um, really not a ton to, to say about them because um, it's, it's really not a great game for them to showcase what they're capable
0: of. Urban Meyer said he thinks the biggest concern on the team is field safety. Jordan Fuller's that guy at the other safety position. Um, I can't say I really noticed much about the safeties. We assume that guy's going to be Isaiah Pryor, but I, I think regardless of where they're at now, I have a lot of faith that Greg Schiano and Alex Grinch are going to be able to work with the talent in the back end and be able to, you know, get at least, at the very least competent safety play out of whoever gets that spot
1: yeah and the you know the safeties are another one of those positions that you don't see a ton of from the spring game um I know Jocelyn went had 11 tackles which is pretty impressive um which is I mean easily ahead of the second highest tackle leader which was another safety Amir Reap who had five um but uh Really, it's it's hard to say who the safety is going to be. Like you said, we think it's going to be Isaiah Pryor. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Went or Reap. Um, I think all three of them are pretty capable. Uh, I, I think Ohio State will be fine at safety. They might not be in as good of a place as they have been in past years with guys like Malik Hooker or uh, you know Damon Webb. But I think they'll be fine. I think that they have three pretty different players there in Pryor, Went, and Reap. Um, and then even farther down into the, the group, like guys like Wayne Davis, um, if Kendall Sheffield moves back there. But it, whoever it is, like you mentioned, they've got Alex Grinch, they've got uh, Greg Ciano, they'll they'll figure it out.
0: You have no idea how excited I am for when Wint makes his first interception to just talk about how he will never log (laughs) (laughs) off.
1: How many people you think are going to understand that joke?
0: I'm not sure, but the ones that will are really going to love it. I I can't wait to to make those jokes all year when he (laughs) makes plays. Uh, Wrapping up the spring game, the only other really big thing (laughs) I think we got to talk about is just Robert Landers handing out gushers from a golden football He's the best. He's the he's, absolute best. Yeah, he's, he's my so favorite good. Buckeye. And I can't wait to see him break out this year. Cause we all like to like joke around like, Oh, big Bob Landers, but like he's actually a good football player and he has been for a couple of years. And I think that this is going to be uh, his year to, to really sort of explode onto the scene. And he's not a guy who's going to make, I think a, a ton of plays. He's not going to have 15 tackles for loss this season, but I think people are going to be super surprised about his stock by the end of the year because he's a very good football player yeah he
1: he's really good um he's a really likable player like you mentioned he's um i think he's one of my favorite buckeyes as well if not my favorite buckeye along with uh, demario mccall of course who is a friend of the show demario mccall please come on the podcast we'll we'll have you anytime <laughs> um but yeah I, I think that that big bob is um, more talented than a lot of people seem to realize, he's he's going to be extremely good for Ohio State this year. Um, one of those, he you know we I think we talked about it last week. He's he's one of the fun kind of undersized defensive tackles that's just like a mailbox. Um, and he I think he'll play a pretty important role on this defense as as someone who can kind of get pressure from the inside and also. Uh, Force running backs to the outside to either Nick Bosa or Chase Young, which is a bad idea if you're a running back. Um, but he's <laughs> the Gusher thing is very funny. Um, I know that there's a uh, a video that we've posted on the the um, official Land Grant Holy Land account of uh, him eating a, a fruit roll-up that's very popular. And uh, if you don't, if you haven't already done your your Bob Landers research to anyone. Uh, listening please go read everything you possibly can about Bob Landers because he's wonderful and he deserves um, nothing but love and affection from Ohio State fans and from college football fans alike
0: I think the only other way he could get better is if he changes his number to 69 this year (laughs) that that would be the ultimate like okay Bob Landers has reached his zenith Um, yeah he's (laughs) self-aware right wrapping up here Spring game, spring game weekend is always big, not only for the spring game itself and, and seeing new players and kind of getting a gauge on where Ohio State's at this time of year before the season, but also it's a huge recruiting weekend. There was a lot of really great players on campus. Emmett Smith's son, EJ Smith, was on campus, a 2020 recruit, but Ohio State got two big commitments in the 2019 class this past week, first on Friday, Ronnie Hickman, New Jersey athlete, rated 124th nationally. He committed. And then yesterday, Noah Potter, four-star defensive end for Mentor Ohio in the 2019 class, became the fifth member of Ohio State's class by committing. What stands out to you about these two guys? and uh, Are we going to see anything else on the recruiting front as we get to the end of spring ball and get to a kind of
1: quiet period? In recruiting um well what stands out about them is that uh specifically Hickman I'll talk about Noah Potter a little bit here as well but um Hickman is he you know he's pretty solidly an athlete at this point I mentioned in his commitment piece that we don't really know where he's going to play I think he'll end up at safety in Columbus but it, it really just depends on um you know where they need him most uh he he's one of those guys who's uh, more of an, an athlete than anything right now as I you know when you don't have a true position, it's generally because you're really good at everything but you're not really technically skilled at anything. you're just dominant because you're faster than everybody else and uh, just better than everybody else on your high school team and I, I think Ohio State will, uh, we'll be able to do quite a bit with him. He's uh, really, really fast, really fluid athlete, good size, pretty much wherever they put him. Um, I'm excited to see what he'll do in Columbus, and I think he's only going to get better. Um, Noah Potter is another guy who I like a lot. He's, um, he's a lot like uh, Nick and Joey Bosa in the way that he plays, which is actually why he wears number 97 for his high school team is because of Joey Bosa. Um, He, you know, I I think he's a little bit less technically skilled, which pretty much every defensive end in the country is compared to uh, Joey or Nick Bosa. But he he's a physical. He's a you know he's a really physical defensive end. He's really good at tackling. Um, Not quite there yet with his hand usage, but he'll he'll get there. And working under Larry Johnson, I think pretty much any defensive lineman could be, um, you know, worked into a a good player. And I think Noah Potter would be very good for Ohio State. Um, In terms of things coming up, there are a couple guys for Ohio State fans to watch. Um, Garrett Wilson's going to be committing soon either to Ohio State or Texas. He's visiting Texas this weekend. Um, pretty heavily leaning towards Ohio State right now. I think he'll end up in Columbus. Um, there are a couple others down the pike. Uh, Harry Miller is a lineman from Georgia who will be uh, committing to his school of choice over the summer. Um, it, it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be a super loud next couple of weeks for Ohio State recruiting but um there i think there will be one or two more in the next few not maybe not days but before uh, may rolls around it, it's going to be a a good um a good chunk of recruiting for ohio state
0: ohio state recruiting still good who would have yeah. guessed
1: <laughs> yeah who could have ever seen it coming that ohio state would be uh landing four stars in april
0: <laughs> well michigan No, we're not even going to go there. (laughs) This is is a good place to wrap up. Hope you guys have enjoyed today's show. Make sure to go to landgrandholyland.com. You can find the post to this accompanying the the audio of the podcast. Also, follow along with us on SoundCloud. Go to soundcloud.com slash land grant holy land find this show all the other shows there and subscribe to the show go on to apple Podcasts, search hang out in the holy land leave us a star rating leave us a review we'll shout you out on the show give us some feedback you can also follow us on twitter where we drop fire stuff like curtis samuel's touchdown chain on there and that is at holy land pod follow the site at land grant 33 and you can follow patrick and i on twitter I am at DubsCo. Patrick, where are you?
1: Uh, I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn on Twitter. Um, I'm mostly just yelling about Dwayne Haskins right now, so that's that's where I'm at.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm sure we're going to get some people yelling at us about Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow after this. It has already started after some tweets we posted this weekend, so give us your feedback, and if you want to be on the show or have your tweet read off on the show, make sure to send those over to Holy Land Pod. But until next time, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land and go Bucks.